When you think about Christmas and the Christmas story, you're reminded of a group of guys, a group of guys, a group of individuals who came to Jerusalem seeking the one who has been born. We know them in our culture. We have known them as called the wise men, right? The wise men that came to Jerusalem. These men are referred to as wise men in our English translations that we have all read, right, since, our, since we first got an English Bible. But they were really weren't wise men. I don't know that that's a real descriptive term of what they were. They were wise. But really the word is that they were magi. They were of a particular group from the east, a particular group of men that studied prophecy, that studied particularly astronomy and things that would happen. And so the word is magus in the uh, New Testament, and it's, that's the singular. So when we refer to the magi, that is the plural magi. And so their story is recorded for us here in Matthew chapter 2. And there we will see uh, their story and what it means. Now tonight I've titled the Bible study, The Magi Got It Right, because we're going to see that they got a lot of things right. And we're so blessed at Christmas to look at their at their story. So let's take a look at it. The Magi put the puzzle together. The Magi put the puzzle together. Let's pick it up. Verse 1 of Matthew 2. It says this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The Magi put the pieces of the puzzle together. Or maybe you could put it this way. They connected the dots and the picture became clear. You remember uh, when you were a kid and you played, the, you did those little arts and crafts, those little things called connect the dots? Well, there's a couple things. There, first, there was the connect the dots game where you put a bunch of dots on a field and then you connected the dots and you put your initial in the square. But then there was the picture. Oh, look at this. This is like, you know, welcome to kids ministry, right? So this is what they're working on back there. But I thought we should, no, no, this is, I just, found this on the internet, but this is one of those famous connect the dots, and so you start at one, and you go to two, and three, and four, and as you connect the dots, the picture becomes clear, and let me submit to you tonight that this is exactly what the Magi did. This is what they did. They put the pieces of the puzzle together. They connected the dots. The Magi go on a search for the one who had been born king of the Jews, and so here we have in Matthew chapter two that they go to Jerusalem in Judea to seek counsel to go to Herod to find out where this king had been born. The Magi, they came from the east to Jerusalem. Now, there are many misconceptions and legends regarding the Magi, uh, you know, the whole idea of how many there were, you know, and if you Google a picture of the Magi, most likely you'll find a picture like this, that it was three, and that is associated with the fact that they gave three gifts, but we really don't know how many they were, but uh, there, 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 uh, 
were all those kinds of, of conceptions and misconceptions, but I guess we'll find out at some point. But one of the things we can be sure of is this Magi, this group, they were astute in studying the times and they were astute in studying the stars and they knew from the Bible, the Old Testament, the Tanakh at the time, they knew that, that, the, that there would be signs in the heavens, that, the, that God had created the stars, the, the, the sun, moon, and the stars, and he had put them up there. And the first reason that God says in the creation account that he put the stars up there were for signs. We think of them in terms of being uh, just, you know, beautiful when we walk outside at night. But the stars were put there. Look it up in Genesis 1.14. They were put there because they would be signs in the heavens. And, and so we're going to see one of those signs tonight. This is the sign that the Magi looked at. And uh, I want to submit there were probably many more than three. It was probably a bigger company of people that would have traveled that far uh, probably somewhere in the vicinity of five to six hundred coming from more than likely Persia of what we would call Iran of today. And they get to uh, Herod. They get to Jerusalem. They make the trek all the way and they get to Jerusalem and they come to Herod and they ask him. They said, we have come from the east and we are looking for the one who has been born king of the Jews. Now, what's interesting is that when you look at the question that they asked Herod, you can see that they had put a lot of the puzzle, a lot of the picture together. Someone had been born. He was of the Jews and he was a king. Amen. And they wanted to know where this one was that had been born king of the Jews. Now, one of the things that in my studies that I've come across, and perhaps you have heard this as well, that it was Daniel, the prophet of the Old Testament, who put this group of um, magi together. Not this particular one, but he had put the order of this magi together in Persia uh, to be on lookout for the birth of the Messiah, the Messiah Prince that would come. And one of the reasons why uh, is because Daniel was a person that received many visions and if you read the book of Daniel, you see that he received many visions and he received one particular prophecy that is, I don't know, I want to call it probably the greatest prophecy in the Bible because of its specificity uh, that uh, it gave to the coming and the dating of the coming of the Messiah of Israel, the Messiah Prince. And it was perhaps for these and other reasons that it was Daniel who put together this order of the Magi in Persia. And here they are seeking in Jerusalem the one who had been born king of the Jews. Now specifically, what would they have known if this is true that Daniel had put this order together? Well, if you look in Daniel chapter 9, and I'll just go through this briefly, but I want you to be aware of it because this is, one of, this is to me one of the greatest proofs of the predictive uh, aspect of the Bible and the, and the, and the veracity of the, of the Bible as a, as a book from God. And it has to do with the prophecy in Daniel 9 of the coming of Messiah, and it's known as the 77s prophecy. You, you know about the 77s? There was, uh, in brief, there was 77s that were determined for Israel. A seven was a week of years. When we think of uh, a, a week, we think of a week of days, right? But Israel understood it more 
uh, than us because their whole system was based on seven, not just the week. Our week is based on seven. Their whole system is based on seven, a seven-day week and a seven-year week that, became, that culminated in a sabbatical year, the seventh year. And then that whole system was a grouping of seven sevens that culminated in the 50th year, which was the year of Jubilee. So 70 sevens, 77 year periods of time, worked out to 490 years. Now it was prophesied in Daniel, and this is the prophecy that he got, that after 69 of those sevens, that the Messiah Prince would come. So you have 77, 490 years, and then everything would be complete. But after 69 of them, that's when the Messiah Prince would show up on the scene. And so 483 years. Now the prophecy gives an exact start time of the prophecy. It's from the command to rebuild the temple and the city of Jerusalem. We know the dating of this particular command. It came in 14, or, uh, 445, uh, anyways, it's on March 14th of, I uh, believe, 445 B.C. And it, 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 it brings you up the exact calculation of the days, and this is all in a, in, calculated in a book called The Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson, who was uh, actually, um, that wasn't his daytime job. His daytime job is that he ran the investigative unit at Scotland Yard uh, in, in London. And so he was an investigator by trade. And so he put his investigator hat on and went to the scriptures. And he determined exactly according to these, these commands that Jesus actually came into Jerusalem riding on the back of the donkey exactly on the day that was predicted uh, that it would in that Daniel prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. So Daniel would have, been, would have put these men on the lookout for these signs that were coming that would reveal who would be the king of the Jews. And so look, this is what they asked. Where is he who had been, who had been born king of the Jews? Again, they knew that, that a king had been born. They knew that, he, that it was a person that was born. And they knew that he was king of the Jews. Uh, now, how did they know that? They said, we have seen his star. They put all this together. Why? We said, we have seen his star from the east, and we've come. And we asked this question. Where is he that's been born king of the Jews? Now, perhaps there is a prophecy in the book of Numbers in what's called Balaam's prophecy, and it's in the book of Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17. And it says this. You'll see it on the screen. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, out of Israel. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. Okay, so a star out of Israel and a scepter, a scepter speaking of that rod of a king, right? The scepter, the royal rod of a king. So... He's guiding these guys by the stars. They're astronomers, and they're looking at the stars. Now, there has been considerable speculation down through the years exactly what the star was. How, how, how is it that they followed this star? How is it that it seemed to move about? 
Um, what was it? Was it a star? It couldn't have been a falling star. Um, or what we, you know, there's really not a falling star. There's really no such thing as a falling star. That's a meteor, right? It's a meteor of some kind. And we've actually, have you noticed lately that all the meteor showers? Um, it's, it's actually picked up the meteoric activity of late. But there's been all this speculation. Was it a comet? Was it a, a, a meteor of some kind? Or what was it? Several years ago, a lawyer named uh, Rick Larson. Have you seen his work on this? Uh, in a documentary that he put together called The Star of Bethlehem. If you've never, anybody here seen it? The Star of Bethlehem? No one. Wow. Get this documentary. It, it is a wonderful, wonderful documentary. Anyways, this guy's a lawyer. He's just minding his, his own business. And uh, to make a long story short, uh, this guy, this young man knocks on his door and wants to put up Christmas lights. He's selling his service to go throughout the neighborhood and put up Christmas lights. He said, no, 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 I'm not going to, I'll, I'll handle it. We're going we're gonna to do our own thing and whatever. Well, anyways, to make a long story short, this young man actually had solicited the business of the entire street. And he, he, the, the whole street was just, just full of Christmas lights. And here, Rick Larson is seeing this, and he's like, man, I better get, I better get with the program here. I'm, I'm going to look like the odd man out. So they put together a little uh, Christmas uh, light package for the front of their house, and it happened to be centered around the wise men and the star and all of it, which kind of got his mind thinking about the story of the wise men and following the star, and wow, what is the truth of this? Is this some story that we're just told, and they followed a star, and a star moved, and, they, and it sat, and it moved, and it, it stopped over Bethlehem, and what, what is this? What is this that's happening? Well, he, he goes through this, and I'm going to go through just a little bit of the material tonight, but you, I want to definitely encourage you to, to get this documentary. You will, you will absolutely be blessed and love it. Um, there's a couple programs that are available for your computer that you can get. How many are in, anybody into astronomy? Anybody? Raise your hand. No? No. See, wow. The... the, the, the Man, 2,000 years ago, you were into astronomy. The reason why we're not into astronomy, and, and we should be because we live on the Space Coast. Amen? That's number one. Number two is uh, when you walked out 2,000 years ago, you didn't have all this light pollution. The problem with today is that we can't see the stars. When you walked out in the nighttime 2,000 years ago, you could see the Milky Way. You could see the Ouroboros. You could see the galactic center point. You could see all this stuff. And we go out and we see one or two stars and go, oh, it's a nice night outside. Um, 2,000 years ago, it was all like you had a front row seat to the heavens and what was happening. So... Here's what I want to encourage you to do. There's a couple programs you get. One of them is free, actually, for download. It's actually called Stellarium. And you can just Google that, and you can go to that link, and you can get a free program. It'll pull right up on your desktop. And here's what you can do with this program. Another one's called Starry Night. You, anybody familiar with what, anything I'm talking about? Okay. Okay. Stellarium or Starry Night? Okay. I want to make sure, sure what we're, how, how, how we're connecting here tonight. So here's what you can do with these programs, Stellarium and Starry Night. You can go, because they have calculated, they've done the math using Kepler's laws of planetary motion and Newton's laws of gravitational force and all the rest of it, they can, using the mathematics, they can calculate the position of any star and planet throughout history. 
And so in this program, you can go, you can open it up and you can look at the sky tonight and then walk outside and see if you can see that. Or you can go to any date in the past and look at the stars, or you can go to any date into the future. Because based on the laws, we know where the planets and where the stars and where uh, it's, it's all going to be. So this is pretty neat stuff. It's pretty incredible stuff. So what, what Rick Larson did is he took this uh, program. He actually uses Starry Night. I actually have downloaded Stellarium. But he took this program, and he began to look at it, and he said, now, if this whole story that we've been reading for years, if it's true, there was some type of something that happened that led this group of men to travel 600 miles to show up on Herod's door and say, we've seen his star in the east. Where is he? That's been born king of the Jews. And knowing, and I believe the Bible is, is true, right? I believe it's correct. I believe there's, there's, there's no fallacy in it. And that's, what, that's the premise he came from. So we began to look for these dates. Now, Kepler actually looked for the birth of Christ based upon his own calculations. He looked for the signs. But one of the problems that Kepler ran into was the dating issue of Herod's death because Herod had to be alive when, for the Magi to come and have a conversation with him, right? So Herod had to be alive. Well, the dating of Herod, and they actually have, and this is all, um, Rick Larson actually documents this, there seems to have been a typesetting error in 1544 that actually uh, the date of Herod's death had been misprinted starting from that date in all publications after that date. And so much of the world that has been educated about Herod's death has gone back to these, these, uh, these histories and if you go back further, you discover that Herod was around till probably about 1 B.C. The previous dates were about 4 to 7 B.C. that he died. And so Kepler never looked earlier or later than 4 B.C. But with that information, it opened the door to say, hey, let's look at some of these other dates. So Rick Larson begins to look at some of these other dates. He looks all the way from 4 to 3 to 2 and down to 1. And what he found was something incredible. What he found is he found a conjunction of stars and what's called a wandering star. See, the whole thing about the movement of the star, if you read this and you say the star moved and they followed it and it came to stop over Bethlehem, you go, what is this? The stars don't move. The earth moves, but we, the stars don't move. The ancients actually called the planets wandering stars. Why? Because they moved from night to night in their revolution around the sun. And so when you would look, you can go out on a night to night, and if you can see a star, you can see it over the progression of a few days or a week or a month. You can see that star moving in the night. And so they called the planets wandering stars. And so what he found was, first of all, what he found is Jupiter. Jupiter was known uh, in, in the ancient times and still to this day as the king planet. It's the biggest planet, it's the, it's, and it was known as the king planet, and that's why when you read all the Greek and Roman mythologies and all of it, it was the king planet. So you have Jupiter. Now what, 
what you see in this text is the star moving around and even, even appearing to stop. And the planets move, the, the, the wandering stars of the planets move, and how is it that they move? Um, or they appear to move? Well, they're moving because they're moving around the sun, and how is it that they appear to stop and maybe back up? That is actually what the scientists call retrograde motion. And the best way to explain that is if you were going around a track, like if you were running around in a, in a track, where you want to be is on the inside of the track, right? Because that's the shortest distance, and if you're fast, you can go around. Well, let's say you were slow, and you were on the last lane, and you could just appear to be running circles around the guy that's, you're on the inside lane, and there's a guy in the outside lane, and he's kind of dragging along, and as you pass him, you're passing him, and then he would appear to kind of back up. Well, he's not backing up, right? He's still going forward, but it appears that he's going back, and that's called retrograde motion, and that's what happens with the planets. Now, here's what he found. On a date in the fall of 3 BC, Jupiter, the king planet, had entered the constellation Leo, which is represented by the lion, right? The, the, the constellation Leo. Each of the 12 constellations that we know in what, what we know as the zodiac, I'll use the Hebrew term that's in the Bible, the Matzeroth, right? The signs in the heavens. The, the king planet Jupiter entered the constellation Leo, and Leo, each sign in the heavens is connected to one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the tribe that Leo is connected to is the tribe of what? Judah. Why? Because it's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Leo is connected to the tribe of Judah. Judah is the tribe that the Messiah was prophesied to come out of. And we see this in Genesis 49. Look at this. This is a passage of scripture that deals with a prophecy that Jacob gave over his 12 sons. He prophesied over each one of them. And when Judah came, this is the prophecy that he gave over Judah in Genesis 49, verse 9. He says this, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. This is a prophecy, actually, of the, 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 the Judah would be the tribe of the kings of Israel, and not only that, but the tribe that would bring forth the Messiah. And so we have the connection with Judah, we have the connection with the lion, which is, which is connected to the constellation Leo. So here's what he saw in 3 BC. He saw Jupiter pass through the constellation Leo over the star Regulus. Now, each constellation has a star that is the brightest star in that constellation. It's like the main star. The main star of Leo is the star Regulus, and it's where we get our word for regal and that, that kingship and that kingly authority. And so you have the king star and the king planet, and here's what happens. Jupiter goes over Regulus. It goes into retrograde motion, makes a loop back around the top of Regulus, moves forward, and goes back in a very rare event, goes back and loops back around 
over the top of Regulus. And so you have the king planet, three loops crowning the king star in the constellation Leo, which represents the tribe of Judah, which is the very, the const, the very tribe that the, the, the Messiah would come, out, come through. So I am convinced that the Magi were on to all this. They knew. They were putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Remember, they showed up at Herod and they said, where is he? We followed his star. Where is he that's born king of the Jews? And they put the whole package together. Now, the question was, was 3 BC the birth of Jesus or was it the incarnation? Was it when when Mary, when he was found to be with Mary? So, I said, well, there's one way to test that, right? Fast forward nine months on the program and see if there's anything else. And what he saw there was an exact picture of Revelation 12 with three planets in Leo. There's nine stars in Leo and three wandering stars, three planets, that's 12, above Virgo, the virgin, what John saw in Revelation 12, which was a picture of Jesus being born, was a woman clothed with the sun with the moon at her feet with a garland of 12 stars. With the three planets within Leo on that particular date, you had the garland of 12 stars, you had the, the sun at her shoulder and the moon at her feet. And you had, and this is nine months later, in the spring of 2 BC, you had Jupiter going into an unbelievable close proximity to Venus, which is the mother star, so close that it appeared to be one star, the brightest star that anyone had ever seen. And this is actually something that if you go to the planetariums around the country, and I actually remember this, they actually bring this up when you go and visit a planetarium. They will bring this conjunction that will take you back. I don't know if you remember that, but they actually, um, they, 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 you know, even talk about the star and, and, and the possibility of it being this conjunction of Venus and Jupiter. So 3 BC, the fall, you have the incarnation. They're following it all the way. They see the star and then they say, oh, okay, wow. Now we see Venus, which is the mother planet, and Jupiter, and this conjunction that's unreal, wow, let's, let's move on out on this. So they move on out, and you pick it up where they, well, let's keep reading, and I'm, I'm going to come back to what they actually find. Um, so the Magi got it. Herod didn't get it. Let's read verse 3. It says this, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem in the the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. So very quickly, the Magi got it. Herod didn't get it. Herod hears the word that a king was going to be born. A king uh, had been born, a king of the Jews. And he is instantaneously troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, why would all of uh, Jerusalem be troubled with Herod? Well, Herod was um, a paranoid guy. He was paranoid about his leadership position that he had there in the land of Israel. He was not a Jew at all, but an Edomite. And Rome recognized him as a vassal king over Judah. And the Jews kind of put up with him because of what he was able to do through Rome in building and and, and giving the additions to the temple there and what's called what we would call Herod's temple and all that he did in that regard. But he was motivated by great paranoia in his life. He murdered members of the Sanhedrin, the ruling class of the Jews. Uh, He he, uh, murdered one of his wives, his mother-in-law, and three of his sons. This is all a matter of record. So So... If Herod was upset, if he was troubled, the people would be troubled too because they didn't know what he was going to do and who he was going to take it out on. And so Herod was troubled by this, and it says, and all Jerusalem with him. So Herod didn't get it. He wants to know, okay, well, let's ask the the scribes and the chief priests and ask them where this Messiah was going to be born. Long story short, they go back into the prophets. They find the exact prophecy in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that tells them that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And so he sends the Magi to Bethlehem to look for the child, and he wants to know exactly when they first saw the star and saw all this happening so that he could take care of business for himself and take, take out this king. And, of course, he later orders all male children in and around Bethlehem murdered two years and under. And so if you go back from the time, more than likely, that the Magi got to Jerusalem and questioned him, he backed up that date. And he probably just said, you know what, year year and two months, year and three months, okay, two years. Take them all out. Because he's paranoid that there's another king that's going to be born. But what do the Magi do? The Magi go all the way to Bethlehem. They find Jesus and they worship him. Let's pick it up, verse nine. It says this. And when they heard the king, they departed and behold the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they, lay, when they had come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So the last point tonight is this. The Magi worship Jesus. They go on to Bethlehem to find Jesus. The wise men, when they get there, well, first of all, look at that, verse 9. It says, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. So they had traveled all the way from Persia, all the way to Jerusalem, five, six hundred miles. 
They get all the way to Jerusalem. They consult with Herod. They consult with the chief priest. They find out it's Bethlehem. And then they're like, okay, we got to go south. If you know the geography of Israel, so you got to know the geography. So they're in, they're in Israel. Bethlehem is to the south, southeast of Jerusalem. Look at it on the back of your, on the maps, right, in your Bible. Open up. Oh, you got a cell phone, right? you got your Bible on your cell phone. You don't have the maps. Okay. We used to have Bibles with maps in them, right? You used to be able to read those while the preacher was preaching. You know, hey, yeah, look at this, the 12 tribes and the land and all this stuff, right? <clears throat> right? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, so you have to go south, southeast from Jerusalem to get to Bethlehem. So pick it up, verse 9 there. It says, now the star, they saw the star, and it led them to Jerusalem or to Bethlehem. So now we've got another situation going. Now it's all these months later, and now they're picking up the star again, and it's leading them to Bethlehem, which they had already gotten the word from the chief priest from, from Jerusalem, from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that they're to go to Bethlehem. And now they're picking up the star again, and it's leading them to Bethlehem, and it stops over Bethlehem. So here's what happened. Several months later, after that spring, after the birth, after that conjunction of Jupiter and Venus, see, Jupiter has a 12-year revolution around the sun. We go around in one year. So Jupiter can actually stay in one of the signs for an entire year. You see? The 12 to 1 ratio. So Jupiter is still in Leo. And it goes into retrograde on December, in, at the end of December of 2 BC. And, he, and Rick Larson discovered that it comes to a stop over Bethlehem on December 25th, 2 BC. This is cool. Now, here's what I did for you folks tonight. All right? I took a screenshot. Put that screenshot. Okay. This is in, in the, the program Stellarium. I took this screenshot from my own computer. All right? If you notice the date down here, it's minus 2, 12, 25, at 20 hours and 42 minutes and 13 seconds. So... That's uh, 8 o'clock, 8.42 at night on December 25th in 2 B.C. Look at the location, Earth. The location is Jerusalem. So I'm looking from Jerusalem south in the night sky, south-southeast. And what do you see there? Jupiter coming to a stop directly over the little town of Bethlehem. Amen? So, you know the old debate about December 25th and should we celebrate and all this? Well, according to this, the wise men got to, got to Jesus and gave him those three presents, more than likely, somewhere around the 25th of December in 2 BC. And that, to me, is super cool. I don't know if that gets you stoked, but what gets me stoked is that this isn't a story. What gets me stoked is this is the truth of God's word, that he came into this world. And here's what else is awesome about it, that he set all this in motion from day one that he created the universe. 
And it was set in motion to play out in the stars exactly according to his plan. Amen? Now, let's finish up the Bible study tonight. Wow, that's incredible. I, I, to me, I, I, I love this. This, is, this to me, is just, uh, just fills my heart with just praise and adoration and wonder at a God who not only did everything he did, but he put it all in, this, in, in, the, in the stars and the planets and the planetary motion and, and told it in every possible way that he could tell it. Oh, wow, what a God that we serve, amen? Now, there's three ways to respond to this king that had been born. Three ways. And I'll finish up with this. And you have to look and ask, the, here's the question for you as we close. Which one are you of these three people? The first one is King Herod. Herod displayed an open hatred and hostility toward Jesus. The chief priest, number two, and the scribes were indifferent toward Jesus. They had all the writings, they had all the books, they had all the word. You, you, you would have thought that one of those guys would like, really? You follow a star? You're here all the way from Persia? We're going with you. We've got Micah right here. We'll bring the scrolls. They said, oh, Micah, Micah 5-2, Bethlehem. Yeah, go ahead. Had all the books, had the word, but were ultimately indifferent to what was happening. And third, the wise men, the magi, sought out Jesus, followed his star, and worshiped him, even at great cost. So here's the question. Which one are you? No, back up. You went ahead too far. You got to go back to the first one. Go back to the one. Which one are you? Got to keep, keep my, my handyman on track. Which one are you? King Herod? The paranoid ruler of your own life? Oh, no. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Some people get very, very spooked out about Religion. I think it's all religion. It's not religion. It's not religion. If, 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 if God made it like this and this is the plan, this is the way it is. Amen? He's in control. He's in control. We may send Orion's rockets up, but he's in control. He put Jupiter over Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He had a group of guys follow a, star, a planet and a conjunction of planets 600 miles, and it was exact right on the money. Amen? Number two, the religious yet indifferent person to the scripture and to God. The chief priests and the scribes. Or number three, the wise person who worships Jesus as the Lord of your life. So which one are you? The Magi got it right. Amen? The Magi got it right. We have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him, Christ the Lord.